don't see anything either, so I'm getting older. I need some. I do. Just check I. Life with God is way too wonderful, Pastor, to run through it hastily. <laughs> Who believes the Word of God is good? Right? I'm always fascinated by one story that really tells me something about how God is, right? Here's a young believer reading in the Bible, and he's just shouting, Hallelujah! It's good! Uh, God is good! And you know, there's a story in Germany, and the Lutheran church is pretty strong, and they're very liberal, and they try to explain everything in the Bible logically. So one of this person come on, you know, what's the matter? Why are you crying? Well, you know, I'm just reading about the Exodus, how the people of God just walked through the Red Sea, how God opened that water. While in this professor, you know, you can't see it that way. I mean, they knew the... They knew, they knew where the water was knee deep and they knew the stones and so they, they kind of got through there, right? Oh, young, oh, that's how it worked. Okay. Okay, well, that's fine. That's good. So the professor goes on and the guy keeps on reading and, you know, he's not even 10 steps away. He says, Hallelujah, praise God. And he joins around. And what in the world is now? My goodness, he says, look at that. The whole Egyptian army drowned in knee deep water. <laughs> you take one miracle away, God makes a new one. That is my God. How about your God? And this is just a wonderful story to live your life with God. And I mean, I wish I would have heard Oral um, Robertson, but we've heard other ones. And um, I'm always fascinated, and I think hopefully I don't bore anybody, but the story of Abraham. He got called out of his country into a new one, and I have the same experience. And, um, I mean, not quite the calling of Abram on me to come here. But it is still the same experience if you change your custom, your country, and you go. And spiritually, it kind of, for all of us, is like that. Because we're getting called out of this world into a new world into his kingdom. So the principles of all that experience apply for all of us. And so let's read Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Right? And now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I make your name great. And you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the big question always is, how do you know you are called? How do you know you're called to do things? Because I think that God calls us to do things. The first thing is, that you have to make sure that God really calls you. And when we played with the thought we would like to move to Canada, we had a, I personally had a very interesting interaction with my family. Because you get called away from your family. That is not always easy. 
especially for the other part of the family. And um, so we were really into that thought and we're really almost pressuring God all the time to do this. And there's a story in the Bible of a widow that does the same thing. If we go to Luke 18, 1 to 8, can we throw all eight verses up there or not? Go a little further. There's the parable of a one verse of a widow that really pressures a judge. And that parable, she's in real distress. She would like to have something. But the judge is very ungodly. But at the end he says, this widow. And hear what the unjust judge said. Yes. And shall God not avenge? Uh, let's go back to first, yeah, first five. Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continent coming, um, con- continual coming, she wearied me. And then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect to cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? And I think we did the same thing. We're almost like that widow. We were wearing God out. We wanted to get to Canada. And we had some, I almost call it, we had a shopping list. Let's call it that. Because we wanted to get to Canada. We wanted to get to BC. There was the nice forest, the big mountains. That There was relatives. And I mean, we had it all planned out. And we just served the whole plan to God for two years. For two years. And no door opened. No door opened. At that moment, my mother came along with the story. And I wish you all listened very carefully. It's a story that happened in my family and that touched me deeply. My mother said that in her family, I am not too much into details, so I'm not sure when it happened, 50 years ago, 70 years ago. And on both my parents' sides, a godly family is that know the power of prayer. And in my mom's family, branching out back, one of her relatives, a son, with eight years, got very sick. And the community, the church came together and they prayed and sure, father and mother started praying. But the son wouldn't get better. He wouldn't get better. And people started to stop praying. And basically, her husband, the father of the son, got the message by God, let the boy go which is something that you don't really want to do, right? And I said, i right, listen careful. Let the boy go. So he went in to the room where the boy was, and the mother, day and night, 24 hours, praying for this child. And says, wife, let this boy go. God spoke to me. Let him go to heaven, right? But she cried out and said, no. And my mother used the word, she used prayer as a pry bar. She kept on praying. The boy survived. He came to life. He got healthy. And shortly after, basically turned against his parents. With 16, went away into the gang system. 
and caused nothing than worry and died fairly early before his mother died shot down in a gang war drug war whatever at the time and that story touched me deeply and I said man what is my mom telling me here stop praying I don't think she's telling me that what she's telling me is that I am praying a little selfishness here I am I am putting a shopping list out to God of wanting something but I don't give God any time to talk back to me because do you know that we have a God that wants to talk to us that not only wants our prayer it wants to have our time to talk back to us it wants to show us a way so when my mom told us that story and I seen all these closed doors after two years of praying almost every day we figured that we have to say God I surrender God I surrender to you but said I'm, I'm surrendered to you but I'm, I'm not surrendering the wish I still want to go to Canada God <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't be here right but you know me better you know where to put me you know what to do not even six months later I knew that I was going to Swan River and my first thought was what is that funny as it is <laughs> I found the huge world atlas <laughs> Swan River made it on that map not Dauphin not the Pa usually it's Dauphin and the Pa <laughs> Swan River was on there it's like I couldn't believe it <laughs> what's this map never found one ever after <laughs> that's how God is right God is so faithful and we knew God is speaking to us now and from then on there was just open doors right here and and y'all kind of know the story right and almost for you guys it looked like you used the word parachuted in right and a sudden we were here and that's how it was for us but for me god is faithful he was faithful to that mother because he was staying to his word absolutely but sometimes we have to be careful what we're asking for god wants to be to us like a good father because he knows what's good for us and what is bad for us. But we're still children. We're sometimes asking for stuff that is actually bad for us. Because we just don't take the time to listen to the Father. And sometimes it even still happens today to me. And I say, hey, you know, do, do I still ask for the right stuff, God, in prayer? Do I still ask the right way? Or is that not for me? And, you know, I'm... These are the basic principles, right? We all have a different calling on our life, what we do with our worldly abilities and what jobs we have. And, but the, the spiritual principles apply to all of us, right? And so let's see, how, how is God dealing with Abram? Let's go back to Genesis, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 10. So if you know you're called by God, you get somewhere. And it's sometimes funny. Ah, this is Exodus. It doesn't work. Genesis. Chapter 12, verse 10. And Abram, my... It says that... Um, 
Abram arrived, he journeyed south. But what do we read in verse 10? Now there was a famine in the land. Like, sometimes we wonder, we're on the calling of God. We're arriving at the supposed meeting place, right in Canaan. And this is the land God has for me. Famine? When we came to Canada, I figured too, I mean, I had a good job in Germany. I was not used to work way under $30. I sometimes tell my guys that work for me. One of my first holiday jobs, I didn't have them for too long, but when I was 18 years old, I made 60 bucks an hour on piecework. Right? But I came here. My wage was slashed in 50%. We had to start up. We had some money. But, you know, we had to count every penny. We had to make sure. But I don't hear Abram complaining. It's kind of funny, right? It's kind of like, uh, God, what's the matter here? What, what are we doing? Like, There's nothing reported like that. And I think we didn't want either. God has these things, and sometimes we're asking, what is God? And we know God has something better for us, right? But sometimes we have to ask us, why are we in this? And the answer is, the only answer is, so that we get to know God better. If we wouldn't go through a famine, I don't think we would ever understand that God would work for us. My parents came visit me four months after we were here. And I don't think, like, I probably had so much faith and I had to realize that parents can't see faith because it's invisible, right? And they sometimes get a lot of gray hair just seeing what children do. But if they're called to do it by God, you know, but it's still hard for them. And I should apologize to my parents, but I did. Don't worry. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And I said, can't you see it? This is just for now. But Eckert, you, you're only here on a five-month contract. What do you do after? Well, I don't know yet. That's always a good answer to give your parents, right? <laughs> wow. Especially if you have three children. But I did. Gee. But I had faith. And you know what? I got laid off on a Thursday by LP, and on Friday, the same week, I started with Spruce Products. And I think the enemy really wanted to take me out because that Monday I had a big accident at Spruce Products where everybody said, usually, it was the third, I was the third person that got caught in that machine, that kind of machine it was. And everybody before me took at least six months of work with a broken hand. I was back. After lunch, it happened at 11.30. I was 10 minutes after one, back to work. This guy, the guy on the machine looked at me and said, are you a ghost? He had to touch me first before I came back. I said, no, I'm here to work. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, God is good. God is faithful if we trust him. By the way, my parents came back 2006 when dreams got a little more hand on. And... They'll be gladly back a couple times after. But God is good. And if we don't go through sometimes this kind of times of a famine, we have to 
we, we don't get to know God. And I mean, if you would have told me in Germany that I would have taken on a job in a sawmill for four or five years, I would have told you, you are crazy. Me working in a sawmill? But see what Abram, Abram, in that situation, there was a famine. So God said, here's the land, just have a look. It's almost like driving through someone, don't blink, otherwise you don't see it, right? So open your eyes, see it, go to Egypt. Egypt, the sign of the world, right, in the Bible. And when we see in Genesis 13, verse 1, it says, and Then Abram went up from Egypt. He comes back from Egypt. He hears the famine is over. And, and he and his wife and all he had and Lot, Lot with him to the south. And in verse 2, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. He had to go out there. In the world. He made his worldly riches. But it's just a... There's no acclamation mark. There's no question mark. There's just a point. That's it. The base of the life is done and made out in the world. If I wouldn't have worked in a sawmill, my dreams and what I really wanted to do would have probably never come through. But that steady job at the sawmill financed a lot, a lot of my dreams. And I'm glad I took that detour out in the sawmill and back because I needed it. And I got to know God very good. My wife liked that time very much because it was the only time in my life I was on time for lunch and supper. But I didn't like it. Yeah, sometimes a detour brings us something that we need later on to fulfill our calling. And let's, let's use that time to get to know God better and better. I had a lot of time to think in that psalm. And man, read a Bible verse at lunchtime and take it four hours in the psalm and there's nothing else in your head in the psalm than <laughs> a Bible verse. It was great. Well, in verse 13... We read that Abram did take his nephew with him. A nephew that lost his family and everything. And I was a nephew once. Felt great, I'm sure. You were a nephew once? No? I had a, an uncle, a bachelor uncle. Well, at that time, bachelor. He, was, uh, he married with 58 the first time. He found a girl, girl uh, 48, married the first time. So it was good. And by that time, I was not nephew anymore. But... Bachelor uncles are good. They have a lot of free cash. So, <laughs> what a blessing. <laughs> Guys, I'm not a bachelor uncle. <laughs> and I always said I want to be, in my life, I want to be a great uncle too. And today I have three sitting here. I have a new addition here today. Daniel joined our team here. Daniel Broil. And uh, I'm, I'm really honored to have him here because if you want to talk to a miracle of God, go talk to him later on coffee. Doctors advised the pregnancy of Katerina's sister to rather abort than carry it out. And that he would never be much. And he would never be 
anything. The guy just applied for university. I don't know. Because our family at that time came together and we prayed. And we prayed. And you talk to this guy. He doesn't only speak German, he speaks perfect English. So don't be afraid. <laughs> you know, a guy that shouldn't amount to much by a doctor can speak two languages. I don't know who's right here. You figure that out yourself. We have a great God, a faithful God. And, you know, as an uncle, Abraham did the same thing. He tried to show him, his nephew, everything. But there is a time a nephew has to go on his own way. And if you see at that nephew, and hopefully you guys are smarter, made a f- few really foolish choices. His uncle gave him the right to choose, right? Now we have to depart our way. Here's, the, here's everything you can see. Where do you choose to go? And Lot to choose by his eyes, not by his heart. And he's seen the wonderful meadows at Sodom and Gomorrah. But we know what Sodom and Gomorrah is standing for, right? And we read later on when he pitched his tent, which means he's making more connections to godless people than to his own folks. Well, his uncle has to come with his 300 servants to rescue him. To rescue him. And uh, sometimes, as an uncle, we have to do that. We have to help our folks. We have to come and rescue. And I, you know, I'm not having, I'm not having 300 servants. But I know that in a spiritual way, I'm not alone. I have angels that fight with me this fight. That we look after our family, after our kids, our kids-in-law, and whoever is put in our household. That we're not fighting alone. We're like Elisha. When he sent his servant outside, or his servant came back from him, he said, there's a whole army out there, and we are alone. And Elisha said, go out again. We're not alone. Just have a look. And Elisha doesn't have to do anything, and he's capturing the biggest army at his times, just with prayer and angels. And this army can't do a thing about it. That's our God. That's how I feel sometimes. I can't see it. But I can feel it in my heart that God is with me and fighting the day-to-day fight. And sometimes nephews listen, sometimes they don't. That's up to them. We're not here to tell anybody what to do. We're here to give a testimony of the goodness of God. And everybody can make up his own mind. That freedom is there. God loved us so much that he sent his own son. It is your decision to join in the goodness of God or leave it. And in Abraham's life, when he comes back from that rescue, he gets honored by two kings. One of them is Melchizedek. And Melchizedek honors Abraham. He says, you are one mighty warrior. But Abraham don't want to be honored. He says, no, I'm not honored. I'm honoring you. And he gives the tithe of 10% of all he gives to him. And 
He's doing that very selfishness. And if I think about giving, I'm always glad we live in the New Testament. We don't have to always count it out. And if I think about giving, I tell a story so you all wake up again here. A little joke. You all have daughters, right? I have three of them, right? And sometimes they're not really good meat eaters. And uh, here's a family one Sunday. Some nice pork chops. And the little child likes the dog under the table. It's the little dog under the table, right? And so mom serves the pork chops and the vegetables and everything. And while she thinks the parents are not quite watching, she's trying to sneak that pork chop under the table to the, to the dog, right? But daddy has a watchful eye and says, no, can't do that. You eat the meat of the bone first. So the child is obedient. And all the dog gets is the bone and when she hands down the bone to the dog, she says, Well, dog, it was supposed to be an offering, but it became a tithe. <laughs> I always think about that when I think about New Testament giving. Because we live in the New Testament. We don't have to tithe. We can give more. We can give more. I like it when I sit at my accountant and my accountant looks at me and says, Eckhart, you didn't have to give so much. My favorite reply is, I know. (laughs) Because I don't tithe to get a tax credit. I tithe because I see a need in the kingdom of God. And when God calls me to tithe, I better tithe. I'll be wise and keep the receipt for tax purposes. I'm still a businessman. But I'm not tithing because the accountant tells me to tithe. Not the point here. Right? That's not the point. And I think that's how Abraham looked at it too. When he gave, who told him to give 10%? Who told him to give a tithe? Nobody did. He, he grabbed that number. So he felt like that was sufficient to honor Melchizedek, the priest of high. And I mean, if we think about our giving and what we're doing, in our time. And it's not only money, it's time too. Yes. What will honor the priest of the Most High, which is Jesus? Yes. What will honor him? Just 10% of our time? 10% of our life? I don't think so. It has to all work together so that everything honors our God who is so faithful to us, so that people can read whom are we serving. And I think if we just give for the purpose to get rich, I think it's the wrong way. The whole purpose is to honor God of our life. And He will honor you. But we have to honor God. That has to be the purpose. And this leads, us, leads me in something where I'm in. Abraham gives the tithe. And then we read how he gets, and it's three chapters, it's almost too much, how he works its way into God's covenant. And that is something that honors God. It's covenant living. And I have one more joke. I apologize to the women. This is more for man now. That really 
tells me how to live covenant living. And it's the story is in Garden Eden. Imagine Garden Eden. No sin yet. Wonderful garden. Adam just feasted on all the fruits and everything is given, having a little nap. And Eve is coming around the corner, finds him, wakes him up, and says, Adam, do you love me? Adam is a little startled, looks up, and says, who else? Right? We men are wired like that. Who else? But in my life, I make that my motto. My wife comes to me and says, do you love me? I answer, who else? In my mind, I pack it up a little better, hopefully. <laughs> but in my mind, it's who else? Because it's a covenant, my marriage. Who else am I supposed to love? My wife. My goodness. And if God ever comes up to you and says, do you love me? And he comes every Sunday. What do you answer? Who else? Wrap it up a little nicer. We have nicer songs. I know. But men are wired like that. Men understand me. You girls figure the rest out. Who else? That is covenant. We're a covenant leader. Who else? There's only one God. Who else? Right? It's true. And that is called covenant living. Very easy. Because we have a faithful God that stands to his covenant. I can't be faithful. But I can have faith. And faith is the only thing in my life that nobody, not even the devil, can steal from me. Never can. He can take my life. He can take my children. He can take my house. He can take my farm. But he can't take my faith in God. He can't. So let's Take it and have that faith in God. That God is there. Whom else do we serve? He struck that covenant for us so that we can live with the son of the promise that is his son. Lot chose the other way. He looked with his eyes and everything that he ever owned, everything that he ever had, got destroyed and his children became the biggest enemy of the people of Israel the Moabites and the other ones Ammonites but if we have faith in God God is faithful and I would just as the last thing I would like to have Ephesians 2 8 to 10 up on the screen A very important scripture. For by grace you have been saved through faith. There's the faith. And that not of yourselves. We couldn't do anything. It is a gift of God, not the faith. Our saving. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. I'm walking with God. I can't boast. I can't. There's nothing mine. God has given it to me so that we are His workmanship created in Jesus Christ for good works which God prepared forehand so that we should walk in them. So there's good things prepared for us and all we have to do is walk in them by faith. 
And I would like to invite you all this morning into that walk so that we walk with God in the good things that He has prepared for us, for all of us. They all look different. My life looked different than yours. But there's good things to walk in that we can grab and hold of in faith. Faith is for all of us. And if you have any questions, we're here. I'll be here in the front. There's a prayer team here in the front that we can pray with you and talk to you. Come to the front. But most important is that we take on that saving grace. Can you leave both verses up there? For by grace you have been saved. That's the first step in that walk. And if you haven't been saved, come to the front and talk to us after the service. We'll guide you. There's people here that will guide you in in the saving grace of God. But that's just the first step. Life really starts after. To walk in good in the good works that God has prepared. So let's go together, pray together, the right things to honor God. That's our big goal in life. Thank you very much.